Welcome to the Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer podcast. I'm James Carey and I'm a sitcom writer for the BBC and I'm a Christian. Hence my book and this podcast. Let's get straight into it, shall we? The Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer by James Carey. Read by me, James Carey. Introduction. What sort of book is The Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer? This book is funny but it is also Christian. These tend not to go together. When a bookshop gets a whiff of Christianity, it puts it in the religion section. You know where that is, right? Through the coffee shop, up the back stairs, by the wrapping paper and board games, past the loose, one is out of order, sorry, keep going until you come to ordnance survey maps, then past personal finance, down a couple more steps, mind the low ceiling, and there you'll find a few dozen books on religion. Somehow, religion the single greatest motivator throughout human history and across much of the world today, is deemed niche. What a time to be alive. If you're wondering what sort of book this is, allow me to explain. The sitcom bit. I am a sitcom writer. My first sitcom, Think the Unthinkable, was broadcast on Radio 4 on the 16th of October 2001, and I've been fairly busy ever since. Sitcom writing is an unusual way to make a living, The pay is irregular and lumpy. You put in hours of work on a new show for zero reward and then you get a couple of hundred pounds because your episode of My Family has been available on BA flights for the past 18 months. The amount of work you do often bears little relation to the money paid. TV pays five times more than radio, even though the audience figures might be the same or even favour radio. The life of a writer, even a moderately successful sitcom writer, is uncertain. And so why put myself through the uncertainty and the trauma of having to make a room full of 300 complete strangers laugh three times a minute for half an hour with the results broadcast on national TV or radio? It's a very good question. I'm glad I asked it. Essentially, it comes down to this. Why do I want to make people laugh? For some, it's a defence mechanism, perhaps to prevent bullying at school or a form of emotional self-protection. For others, it's a need to be wanted and loved. The roar of the crowd can be intoxicating. Many stand-up comedians would admit to being addicted to it. I don't think any of those are my main motivation. I have occasionally been responsible for audiences laughing loud, long and hard. The laughter you hear on the TV and the radio isn't fake. The audience is normally real. I've sat in the audiences for dozens of recordings of episodes of Think the Unthinkable, Hut 33, My Hero or umpteen radio shows I've written with Milton Jones. The people around me have no idea that the writer is sitting next to them. I don't need them to know that I'm one of the writers. In fact, I much prefer the anonymity. This could make my desire to hear that laughter more puzzling, but actually, it makes sense of it. So, I'm not a sitcom writer because I find that sound of laughter addictive. I find it essential. If I hear the laugh, I know the joke has worked. And if I don't hear the laugh, I know the joke hasn't worked. It's pretty basic, and one of the reasons I don't really want to write drama. How do you know if it's working? For me, writing comedy is an endless, fascinating puzzle. Coming up with a joke for each character in each situation is like solving a cryptic crossword clue. Each clue has multiple ingredients that need to be accounted for, and you know the right answer because it fits with three down and has the correct number of letters. For me, that sound of the laugh means I found the answer. I've cracked the puzzle. I found a way to make that character in that scene, in that story, say something that's objectively funny. And it feels good. When that happens, to quote Eric Liddell, I feel God's pleasure. That's because I don't see my job as a way to earn money and satisfy my curiosity. It is a divine calling.
the gospel bit. I care what God thinks about the comedy that I write, since I'm a Christian. I'm not a small-c cultural Christian. I'm a big-c all-in confessing Christian. Over the years, I've been involved in Christian conferences, conventions and festivals, and the opportunity has arisen for me to perform, and I've done so with some success. I define success as the audience mostly laugh in the places I had expected and planned. Given the circumstances of these performances, I've been playing to biblically literate audiences who have a pretty good idea of what the Bible says and how it sounds. Being a wordsmith and an amateur theologian, I've tried to make the most of these opportunities to create comedy that speaks directly into the Christian experience. Many have found this refreshing and surprising. Not many people do this sort of thing, and you certainly won't find anything like it in the mainstream media these days. The size and location of the religion section in a three-storey bookshop is one manifestation of our society's failure to understand religion generally, and Christianity particularly. Moreover, Christians are very poorly represented on TV, and you'll see a chapter on that very subject along with a few reasons for it, and a bit of a rant which you might find cathartic. This project has also given me numerous comedy puzzles to solve that are even more complex than writing an episode of My Family for BBC One. How can I be funny in a way that takes the Bible seriously, does not belittle Jesus Christ, and laughs at our own petty vanities and foibles while being enlightening and increasing our understanding? And how can I heighten the comedy already present in Scripture? This book is the result of those comic explorations. In the pages that follow, you will find a mix of writing, much of which plays around with the biblical text in ways that I hope readers find playful and illuminating rather than irreverent or idiotic. It is all, of course, open to debate and even willful misunderstanding. Christians are brilliant at the latter, as I explored in my previous book, The Sacred Art of Joking, in which I explain how comedy works and how it goes wrong, especially in the realm of religion. All too often, Christian leaders find themselves following in the footsteps of the Pharisees and Sadducees and finding themselves to be holier than Jesus, but you can read more about that there. No justification. In this book, I try to let the material mostly speak for itself. There is much truth to the title of theologian Hans Ruckmacher's book, Art Needs No Justification, but there is also truth in what mums say to children, stop showing off. Is this art, heresy or showing off? You be the judge. Much quasi-biblical material in this book is presented with words along the lines of early manuscripts do not include the following, which reflects the fact that some parts of the Gospel accounts are not considered to be original, canonical or authoritative. This strikes me as a helpful caveat for my writings which are clearly not canonical, have no authority and aren't wholly original. Surely Christians through the centuries must have had these thoughts before. Maybe it takes someone with the chutzpah of a sitcom writer to actually write them down and show other people. Either way, I present to you the gospel according to a sitcom writer. Run opening titles. That'll do for now. First rule of showbiz, always leave the audience wanting more. If you want more, there are links in the show notes to my live show, Water Into Wine, and my weekly substack. Thanks for listening.